Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Monday 40th Podcast and this week we have got a Halloween special. It's myself, Alex LeBox and Dan the Ram. Dan, how are you? Very well, Alex. Um, very, very excited to be finally sitting down to record episode 5. Indeed, episode 5 is upon us and as we well know, it is a World Cup season and the World Cup is coming extremely fast this season. It's going to be a massive... Uh, sort of halving of the season, isn't it? And um, there's been, we are going to come on to the injuries that have come up through that, but it's it's a strange season in that sense, isn't it? It's uh, perfect for this Halloween episode. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's definitely started to feel a lot more real like it is start. I think it's, by the time this recording goes out, I think we're less than four weeks away from it starting now. Yeah, and and just, just touching on that, I, I wasn't aware of how much of an effect it is going to have on the Premier League season because we're not used to those winter breaks. We're certainly not used to this sort of divide of fixtures, you know, come November because November and December is usually extremely busy for not only the Premier League, but the EFL. So it's, you know, it is going to be a strange season in that in that respect. And we're going to come on to these niggles and injuries for some of, you know, the key players who should be playing at the World Cup, aren't we? Yeah, it's um, it's shocking, really, how many of these these injuries now. You know, your standard four week layoff are, are going to rule players out of the World Cup. Like, I think it's unprecedented that a four week injury means somebody doesn't make the World Cup. Normally, players will go with an injury. You know, we've seen it with England over the years, haven't we? Many metatarsals. People have, have yeah. come in and been able to shake it off just in time, but there's no there's no gap to get fit. You, you've got to be fit to go, haven't you? Yeah, very true. And um, touching on that, we are going to come on to some of those injuries in the news. But first and foremost, and at the beginning of the podcast, it is a Halloween special. Yes, Halloween is upon us. We did put a tweet out today, didn't we, Dan, to see if we can come up with some players or sportsmen or women who, you know, remind us of the Halloween season. And we didn't want to be too... Uh, you know, what's the word? Too uh, out of order um, with our suggestions. But I did say Steve Grizovich, and I feel really bad for it. But... <laughs> Poor old Steve Grizovich does get a lot of slack. I'm sure he's used to it now. But yes, we put him on the list. Steve Grizovich goes in as our Halloween guest. And who else have you picked out, Dan? So I, um, I was where I think he was. A, it was a, something I'd seen many years ago. It was an ice hockey player from the '60s called Terry Sawchuk. Um, and he was an ice hockey player that decided that he wasn't going to wear face protection or a helmet. Um, and the picture I tweeted on, on my account uh, on Twitter, you can see the lovely image of him with all the cuts and scars on his face. And I don't think he'd look out of place in a Freddy Krueger film. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? As soon as I saw that image, I thought, that wins. That wins. <laughs> what was his name? Terry, Terry Sawchuk, I believe his name is. Terry Sawchuk. There we go. Monday Sportif listeners, you can check him out. An ice hockey player, I believe it's from the 60s, who didn't wear face protection whilst going in goal in ice hockey. I can't think of anything worse. No, like... I don't think I'd go in goal with all the kit on, let alone the non- No, and we've had some other fantastic suggestions, um, one of which is from Charles, who does the Twitter spaces with us, with the Arsenal Twitter spaces. If you listen to Monday Sportif, we do do those quite regularly with the Arsenal. And... Charles has suggested the butcher of Bilbao, um, Adoni Olask Oga. I think I pronounced it correctly, or in short, Goiko. 
So Bilbo fans, Atletico Madrid fans, he looks like the type of centre back wouldn't want to meet whilst out treating. That's for sure. Um, and also on the list, who else have we got, Dan? Uh, Pierre Luigi Colina, which was an absolute great shout. Um, came out with that shout, Pierre Luigi Colina, indeed. And what you know, what do you remember about that ref? What a fantastic! It, it, it was all in the eyes, wasn't it? It was all in the eyes, and the you know, I just thought he had a great referee whenever he refereed England. Um, I also remember being on the cover of a Pro Evolution Soccer back in the day, <laughs> which I don't think any referee's been on since. No, I do, yeah, yeah. Like he, he became a celebrity for that sort of stare, didn't he? With yeah. Those, uh, he definitely goes uh, high up on the list there from Stephen Cole. He was the referee in the 2002 World Cup final between Brazil and Germany in Japan. Do you remember the score, Dan? Yeah, 2-0. Ronaldo got both, didn't he? Yeah, Ronaldo got both. I think it was at a time when his knees were pretty much uh, packed up on him. But, um, and he's yeah, still one of the, probably the best player of the tournament as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he scored, I can't remember how many goals, but it was quite a lot of a player that was, you know, sort of on the... But he um, famously scored that goal where Oliver Kahn won, I think he won player of the tournament, uh, before going in goal for the final and fumbling the ball. Yes, yeah, remember that. Uh, very, very unfortunate. I think he still picked up the award, but uh, certainly was a little bit of a mistake. But there we go. Brazil uh, won the World Cup in two. 2000- and Pierluigi Colina was the referee. We've also got, for the love of lists, a fantastic podcast. They've suggested Mike Tyson and George Foreman. They can't be excluded. I mean, them two, would you down a dark alley? No, I mean, neither of them in the prime. I think still Mike Tyson today still wouldn't be somebody I'd want to want to necessarily see anytime. Um, especially that horrific face tattoo he's got. Yeah, and Monday Sport TV, we've also had Getafe, uh, a 2020 football squad, the whole team. I have no idea. I did a little bit of uh, Googling. I've got no idea. Yeah, we need some context on that, whoever, whoever tweeted that one in. We need some context. I mean, I can't fathom it. If uh, Monday Sportif listeners, if <laughs> please drop us a tweet or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Now, the Halloween theme is here, Dan. Um, I, I think we'll move on to football news. And the Halloween theme continues because you were right last week with Stephen Gerrard uh, being sort of post with Aston Villa, I went on a massive rant about why they should keep him on, but mm. it hasn't been the case. Gerard has been chopped, hasn't he? Yeah, it's not a surprise after, you know, the 3-0 defeat. I think it was bubbling and bubbling. I think, you know, I, I don't really know why they did If they were going to sack him after that, why wouldn't you have done it after the, the loss to Chelsea the weekend and at least giving yourself that extra, you know, bit of space then to decide what next? Um, I've seen in the press that the plan was to go straight after Thomas Tuchel. Um, he's explicitly stated he's got no interest in it, which, well, why would he? Wow. Um, I, I think, you know, he, he obviously knows, believes in, and I think he is a top, you know, a top European level coach. I think Aston Villa fans are not going to like this, but I, I, I tweeted it in the week um, to Wolves. I think that these, these clubs need to have a little bit more of a realisation that they are not the clubs that they think they, they maybe were in the 70s and 80s. Um, I think Aston Villa are essentially still a yo-yo club at the moment. Um, and if they make a bad appointment now, that could be them back down in the, you know, the relegation fight and could find themselves relegated at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go on a rant like I did last week because it's happened. Gerard has been 
relieved of his duties with Aston Villa, but I, I still find it a little bit breakneck decision because they've obviously got Gerard in for for the longevity in that role. If you look at the results of Aston Villa, sure they've been on the wrong side of a few bad defeats, but for me it's very early on in the season. Yeah, they're not. They're not. The thing I don't get with it is they've spent money. The Villa fans, I think, underappreciate whatever they're. Whatever Philip Coutinho is earning, it's still a ridiculous amount of money for where you know where they are as a club. Um, they've bought players when they need to. They've managed to hang on to players like Douglas Louise. I, I think it's a, it's certainly a club that you know give him like you say give Gerard a year or two at it and then go okay we've tried it's not worked and then go for something else. But I, I just think it's such a silly decision at this point in the season, like you say. Yeah, I think so as well. And and if you look at it as well, with some of their results, yes, and I, and I reiterate that, you know, they've, they've drawn, um, I think they've drawn three games, lost six, but it's the Premier League. As we know with the Premier League, it's so competitive. The teams you play in that in that league, there, there isn't really, yes, there is bad teams, but on their day, you know, we, we see it in the championship with the teams that go up like Bournemouth and Forest. That on their day, these teams can really hit form and, you know, do damage, and it's. I, I I just find it very breakneck that you would just get rid of Gerard when you've bought him in with a long term goal. But there we. Yeah. Uh, Be interested to see if any Aston Villa fans listening have got an opinion on it differs to what we're saying. Yeah, it will be interesting. Maybe we'll out after the podcast is out to see what Villa fans really feel about it. Now we won't go on too much. Gerard has gone. Um, let's hope that uh, Mick Bill doesn't get touted for the job. <laughs> I'm very pleased with the job he's doing. It's not funny, Dan. I'm very pleased with the job he's doing. <laughs> we'll come on to that later when we discuss the EFL. But we were, at the beginning of the podcast, talking about players who are currently injured and not going to the World Cup. You've got a... Yeah, so um, I had a little look earlier on because I think, you know, each day as it keeps, it keeps coming now, you know, in the last week we've had Reese James and... Diego Jota, uh, both out for the World Cup. Yeah. Um, on injuries that potentially, you know, in another time wouldn't have meant this, like I just said. However, a little bit of delving means it's looking like Kyle Walker's not going to make the World Cup. Um, I, I think he'll go as the part of the 52 that I think Gareth Southgate has announced today on Monday. Yeah. Um, but he's just had groin surgery. It's a race to be fit. Um, I, I think he could, he could go, but I think at what expense are you taking yet another right back over... Um, you know, a creative forward player. Um, but uh, some big, big names that aren't going to be at the World Cup this year. So Paolo Dybala. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. He, he's not making it for Argentina. Um, I think it's quite widely known that N'Golo Kante is not going to be at the World Cup this year. Um, for France, he's got a long-standing injury. Um, Marco Royce um, for Germany, he's injured. He's not going to be going. Um, Rael Jimenez for Mexico. Again, another injury. His is his chronic fatigue. Um, Matthias De Litt, um is not going to be going and playing for the Netherlands um, same with Gini Wijnaldum as well he's also out um, and Pedro Neto as well for Portugal um, he's also not going to be you know playing in for, the, for them in the World Cup so you know that's, that's not an exhaustive list there are other names of you know players um, for a number of countries that are playing in Europe that aren't going to be going to the World Cup but I just think it's interesting Alex that these injuries that you know some of them have would be injuries that potentially would only take you know four weeks to six weeks to recover from, yeah. um, but that is the length of the World Cup if you're going to go to the later stages. And that's funny, yeah, because you mentioned that Dan. You said you know what, 
what we're seeing, and we, we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, with this World Cup being, you know, in what would be a Premier League winter fixture fixture list, we, we are experiencing a new issue with, you know, like like you just to reiterate what you said, you know, with players who would usually be injured for for four weeks and actually missing out on the World Cup tournament uh, due to it being hosted, you know, sort of November pushing into December time. So it's, you know. I know we say that with the World Cup being at this time, we might have fresher players. You might see European clubs doing better. But we've also now, we've got this new problem we, with these these niggly injuries coming up. And some of the players you've mentioned, uh, you know, real world-class players as well, aren't they, who won't be featuring? Yeah, and I think it's going to take a bit of the glamour off of it straight away. When you, when you, you know, you might have teams now that are somehow full strength going into it that are probably looking at their group and knowing, you know, Paul Pogba's not fit at the minute for for um, Juventus. Then he's playing much football at all this year. Yeah. You know, no, no Pogba, no Kante in that French midfield. You got France in your group. You're thinking, you know, we've got we got a chance here. Got yeah. a, you know, not saying France haven't got strength and depth. Of course, they have. they're probably one of the favourites, if not the favourite yet again. However, you know, that's two huge players, and you know, you look at England now. We've gone from being right back heavy to potentially only going with. Trent and Kieran Trippier is that you know is the two right backs that are going to be playing. Um, yeah. Trent, in my opinion, wouldn't have gone anyway. Now he's certainly got a seat on the plane, hasn't he? Yeah, and and, and it's a funny one with that debate with James and Trent. It it sort of um, it it's been boiling over for a number of seasons now, and uh, it looks like you know England aren't going to have that choice. With Reese James was certainly coming into some form for Chelsea, wasn't he? He was not only scoring, but he's looking back for them as well so. yeah absolutely I mean Kira Trippier I'll probably briefly touch on when it comes to um, uh, my hot take of, of this week but yeah I think the right back situation is almost sort of settled itself out now um, I think if Carl Walker doesn't go that scuppers the the opportunity to play five at the back as well um, I don't think he's going to play five at the back with um, Tamori Maguire and Stones I just don't think that would work so that's another you know huge question now for, for Gareth Southgate yeah, and and just touching again on Jota, you mentioned Jota. He has he hasn't really been featuring for Liverpool in the Premier League as as much, uh, but he's certainly been doing the job in Europe. And I know they've played games against Rangers where they won seven one, but his stats in Europe are pretty good. You know, he's uh, I think he might be um, top of the assist league, which doesn't surprise you because Liverpool have been scoring multiple goals against. Rangers. Yeah, I think with. Um... With that, I think it's the, this Roberto Firmino just having another excellent, you know, spell of form, isn't it? In the Premier League, he looks at, he looks like the player of old. So I think he's managed to to keep Jotter out, but a huge loss for Portugal. Um, yeah, you know, the other big thing to to discuss as well is the fact that is Cristiano Ronaldo is probably not going to kick a football in England now until you know probably ever. His next kick of football is probably going to be for Portugal in their opening game of the World Cup. So. Wow. And and um, just touching on that, I know there's been issues between him and Ten Hag. Um, he's come out publicly and spoken about Ronaldo, basic, basically suggesting that he is the boss and, you know, Ronaldo needs to just get in line, basically. And uh... it's, it's petulant, isn't it? You know, for those who, who haven't seen it, I'm sure you can't really avoid it. Uh, walking down the tunnel before the end of the game, refusing to be substituted on. Yeah. Um, I think he's he's finished now. I think he's probably isn't he. I think he's going to get his move to somewhere somewhere in the summer, in the summer in January after the World Cup. Um, 
And I think, you know, he's probably just going to try and chase that Champions League medal again, isn't he? And then potentially that could be it for him. I think he might he might call it a day then. But again, he still looks like the player of all, wasn't it? Only last week he was scoring an excellent goal against, I can't remember who it was for United. Yeah, and the thing is with Ronaldo, I think we might have mentioned it in episode one or two of the podcast when we were talking about Manchester United sort of folding at the beginning of the season. And, and we were saying, you know, the, the Ronaldo situation sorted out far more earlier um, because he, he was causing an issue as early as pre-season, wasn't he? He was sort of piping up and doing odd things on the training ground. And I think Manchester helped that situation better then. And it's rearing its head again. What does Ronaldo do? Where does he from here? I mean, I've seen, it's been reported in the French press today, um, that the plan is to, to move Messi on in January. Um, I don't know if that includes Mbappe as well. Um, and then for Ronaldo to, to go there. Um, I don't know if that's plausible, but then, you know, it's PSG. They've got the money to do what they want, haven't they? Um, whether Messi does call it a day himself and goes back to Argentina and sort of does the full circling, it's normal old boys, isn't it? He's from, um, which obviously brings Ronaldo in. Um, I think that's an option. Yeah. Um, does he go to Juventus? I think they're still very fond of him. Um, Juventus obviously still chasing, you know, they want that Champions League. Um, trophy, don't they? So, uh, does he go back there for a few years? I don't know. It, 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 you touched on that. Now, we've gone from the injuries at the World Cup to the Ronaldo tantrum, and just touching on Juventus there, Dan. I mean, I said at the beginning of the season they look quite good. They've got uh, Vla- Vlaovic up front, uh, and, I, and I, it was looking like Dia Maria was going to do a good job for them, but they've really put in some very odd. With performances under Allegri and they look very ordinary. Is it true that they can't afford to sack him? Is that, is that factual? I don't, I, I'm not sure of the ins and outs. All I know is that, um, that they're, they're pretty much skint Juventus um, and sacking Allegri, Allegri or paying him off is just not an they're, they're sort of stuck in this strange void, this Allegri void where they can't really hang him out to dry. They have to you know, nurse him in the corner and just hope that, you know, that the sort of their form will turn, but it's not looking like it. It's looking pretty desperate for Juventus. And uh, I'm not sure the circus of Ronaldo is the best thing for them, but, you know, we've, we've touched on Ronaldo. He is the elephant in the room when it comes to what he's going to do at the World Cup. Like you said, it might be the next time he kicks a football uh, in Qatar, which would be, um, which would be quite bizarre, but, there we go. Now, Dan, what other news have we got? I know there was something else where uh, Frank Ribéry has decided to hang his boots up. I mean, what a fantastic player he's been for the world of football. Yeah, I'd have, I was like to sort of come into doing a stint in the Prem as well. I think he'd really suited um, his style, you know, a proper old-fashioned winger. Um, I think he would have really complimented the Premier League. So it's a shame he never came over. But when you're at a Dortmund, uh, not Dortmund, when you're at a Bayern Munich team as dominant as what they've been over the last 15 years, yeah. why why would you leave that? You know, you're guaranteed to win your, your league, your cup, and you know Champions League medals as well. Yeah, um, fantastic player. Um, probably one that could have gone onto our Halloween scary list as well. Oh yes, and yeah. Poor man. <laughs> I say poor man. He, you know, what we're, we're talking about his career. He's, he's probably a very wealthy man, really. Himself, yeah. so, uh, um, but no, yeah, Frank Ribery, like you touched on there, that, that I think 
the Bayern Munich years stand out for me. Um, he he was just phenomenal in in that era uh, when Bayern Munich sort of dominated the Champions League, didn't they? They yeah, Robin and him on on either side with uh, I think it was Mario Gomez. Just yeah, Mario Gomez would have played just behind. Yeah, standing on the penalty spot and just sort of tapping them in, you know. So. Uh, Fantastic yeah, it was glory run. days for Bayern Munich. And like you said, why would he leave at that time? But a fantastic career from Frank Ribery. Yeah, probably, probably you know, one of the one of the better French players to come out of the last 10 years, I'd say. 10 years, probably 20 years more like, isn't it? In terms of, you know, what he went on to achieve. Um, I think he's probably a little bit disappointed that he didn't maybe do more on the international level with some of the players that France had over that period when he still had on replaying and, you know, I think he was—he was around the time, wasn't he, when France cheated the way to the World Cup and then absolutely fell apart. <laughs> well, is that that was when they knocked out? Was it like they knocked out France or, or no? Sorry, Wales, wasn't it, in that playoff final? Uh, Republic of Ireland, wasn't it? Henri's had ball, and then they got to the World Cup, and then they all walked out, didn't they, on the coach? I think that was that was a very much rubbery era of French football. Indeed, crazy times. So, there we go, Monday sportif listening on the World Cup injury. Ronaldo's tantrums and also the retirement of Frank Ribery. We are going to do our, our usual show. We're going to pop through the Premier League. Me and Dan are going to team. And, uh, we're going to do EFL chat. I can't wait for that with Queen's Park Rangers currently being top. And then we're going to finish off with our hot takes. I hope you've enjoyed our little Halloween special. We had a lot of fun with it. You can also add your tweets back whenever you want. Now, the Premier League, Dan, um, we'll talk about that. The, the top of the league with 20 Man City. what team are you focusing on this week so for me it's going to be Crystal Palace um, yeah. a, team, a team I actually quite like I like this whole South London born thing that they're doing and going back to sort of the roots and trying to recruit the players from a, from around the area um, yeah. they, they for me are, are definitely one to watch I think Vieira is doing an excellent job um, I think the way that he wants them to play and I think the way that they want they are identified as a club goes hand in hand um, they, they've got really intimate form you sort of you know it's not poor form by any means but it's you know it's, it's a nil-nil draw that you think you know, probably should be looking to beat Leeds um, and then they go you know put a good performance on midweek um, against Wolves to win 2-1 yep. um, I think they're on the cusp I think they're one, one or two short in terms of actual superstars you know they've got, obviously got Wilfred Zahar that I think he's, he's, you know, he's a top four player. Yeah. Uh, I think if they added one or two others of that caliber, I think they really could be one, you know, to do what West Ham have done in recent years and, and push that top six. Um, I talk about Zaha. I think everyone knows what he brings. He, he's their talisman, the main man. You know, he's one who creates something out of nothing. But a player that's in excellent form at the minute is um, is Eze. Ah. Um, a player that I'm sure you know lots about. Oh, it's- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sen- sensational football player. He's he's one of those players um, that when you watch um, when you watch live in in a football stadium, he, you know, I, I know people talk of this cliche, but the, the game slows down and he stays at you know fast pace, and, and everyone around him seems to be treading in treacle. He he glides with the football, um, and he's just he, he's a great player to watch. It 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 took a couple of years for him to come out. Show well, he got an injury, didn't he? Spot. He was going to go to the, he was going to go to the Euros. I think he was spot nailed on for a spot, and then he got that injury. That I think he was out for six months or something. Yeah, and, and, um, and he's talking injuries that when players come back, they're never quite 
quite the same again. I, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I know it was extremely bad. So yeah, fantastic to see him back and you know hitting that same sort of performance again. Yeah, the rumor, the rumor, the rumor is that Gareth Southgate's announcing he's. he's... 50-man squad on Monday and I think Eze is, is in that squad from what I can see. Um, I don't think he's going to go. I think we all know that there's certain favourites that are guaranteed a space on the plane that shouldn't be. Um, likes of Jack Grealish, don't think he should be going, not showing enough form at the moment. Um, but I think, you know, he, he's definitely one that I think can make that step up post-World Cup going into the Euro campaign then. Um, I think he's one that should be looking to establish himself in the England squad. Um Palace this weekend. They're away at Everton. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a game they think they, I think they, they can go and get a result there. Um, and you know, if they get a win there, they're, they're only six points off fifth. And because of the break that's going to happen between obviously over the World Cup, I think a lot of teams now are going gung ho, thinking we can come back from the World Cup. It's essentially like the start of pre season again, isn't it? Everyone's going to yeah. be a little bit slower. Um, I think if teams like Crystal Palace can be within you know four or five points at that stage. You know, I think they have to go into, into the mindset. They pick up some early results where, you know, some of the big guns that, that have had players, you know, if you're if you're an international player that goes all the way through till the week before Christmas is your last game and you've played constantly over the World Cup, you're, you're only having a two, three-week break and then you're back playing again. You know, that intensity to a team like Crystal Palace where they haven't got as many international players, some of these players now can have a long winter break, get off niggled injuries. I think they've got a really good chance you know, of, of having a strong top half finish. Yeah, and I'm glad you've picked out um, Crystal Palace because if you look back at Crystal Palace, if we go back, let's even say a decade, it's been over a decade now that they've been playing Premier League football. They really are one of those clubs that have done it in the right way. They they went through those years and seasons of survival where, you know, that the, they were just picking up points, enough points. And... But they've slowly, slowly built this stronghold as a, as yeah. a club, and they've just done fantastic with it. And when you even Roy Roy Hodgson through those years, you know that they were tough years for Crystal Palace. They were still grinding out. But victory. I think that's 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 exactly it. They've they've established themselves by having a manager like Roy Hodgson that will keep you up. You won't you won't you know you won't win anything. You won't get anywhere near anything. Um, but you will be there. I think before that was it was it Pardew was there for a little while as well. Yeah. yeah, these are these are all managers, you know. I think they had a good cup run under under Pardew too, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I think they got to the final against. Yeah, I think it was Manchester. So it's, but it's organic, you know. They've now got a fresh fresh manager in in Vieira. I think you know their recruitment is excellent. Um, I, I just think they're a really really exciting team to watch, and you know, for a lot of young players, you know, they've got uh, Mark Guay Guay. Can never get that right. Yeah, Guay. The, yeah. Cent- the centre half. He, I think he's gonna he's gonna go to the World Cup. Um, I think the way they're playing, I think I think he's going to be one of the options to go um, as well. So you know, ex- excellent team to watch. But Alex, who is your pick for your uh, your spotlight this week? Oh, spotlight this week. Um, yeah, I was just going to just before we move on. I was just to mention um, Michael Elise, a championship player as well. Um, is that how you say his name, uh, Elise from Christmas? Yes. Yeah, and and also the, your man from Derby, which is uh, a beer way. You mentioned him at the beginning of the season. He's not. He's just not had his opportunity. I, no, I think. I think he's he's, he's limited appearances. I, I don't understand that one. I think you know they they sent Luke Plange on loan to like the Belgium second division, which wasn't a surprise because I think Luke Plange was anywhere near a Premier League player. Yeah, um, maybe not even a Championship player to be honest. But I, I really thought Malcolm Abouai was going to get his shot. I still think he will. 
I, that prediction might have been a bit early. I thought he was going to step straight up. Um, it's not to say it won't. You know, it's a long season ahead still. Only, you know, yeah. a, well, third in the Prem, but a quarter of the way through at the moment. So we'll see. But it's, it's a shame he's not got his chance, but I, I still think there's a good good opportunity for him in the second half. Yeah, no, I do agree with you. And um, so touching on that with Crystal Palace, well done, Dan. That's a fantastic uh, team to focus on. Um, I'm going to look at Chelsea. Now, I know Jordan's not here again. Uh, he's now sunning himself in Monaco. Uh, the boy, he's getting paid too much whatever he does for his work. Oh, so we haven't seen Jordan for a while. We don't know where, he, you know, where he's been uh, ducking and diving, but we've just been told he's in Monaco. There we go. Uh, jet setting, I would say. But um, there we go. For you, Jordan, I'm going to bring up uh, Chelsea. Um, they've bought in Graham Potter. Uh, I, I personally think it's fantastic to see um, an English manager getting a top six club. I, I I don't see a problem with it. I just find it um, I find it a little bit strange from Chelsea because we've seen them go with the big names and the big managers. Uh, they gave Frank Lampard a chance. It didn't work. Uh, and they got rid of him and bought in Tuchel. Um, so to go back to Blueprint and say Graham Potter for me, a bit strange. And I love Graham Potter, the manager. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, who am I? But I think Chelsea have looked a little bit square and ordinary since taken over. Yes, with a Graham Potter side, you're going to get organisation and tactics are going to be spot on. We know that. But they seem to be lacking that ability to unlock teams. And we saw that uh, in in fantastic fashion against Brentford in a nil-nil draw. Um, in a game, what I think for Chelsea, if they're going to be looking for top four this season or more, they need to be going to Brentford and sort of smashing them, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I was never convinced about it at the time. Um, I think, you know, like any any Premier League manager, especially being an English Premier League manager, it's the rare jobs to come up, aren't they? Yeah. Um, unless you bring a team up, you know, the likes of you know Dean Smith at Villa, just an example, somebody that's bought somebody up, they don't last long. They're not, you know, they're perceived that you... you I, I personally think it's down to the fact that there's this um, romanticism with European managers that, you know, have obviously had success in the Premier League. Um, I don't think it was the right time for him to leave Brighton. Um, I think the successor at Brighton, the Italian gentleman, has shown that he built a great foundation of a football club there. It was yeah. a great team. And he's now gone to Chelsea where he knows if he doesn't get in that top four, he's gone. If he doesn't have a good cup run in, in you know, the, the, probably the FA Cup, I don't know if they're still in the League Cup, to be honest. Um, or, you know, run into Europe this year, he's gone. So it's 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 no it's a it's a risk and no reward for me. I don't think he's going to succeed either. I think you know the egos of that team that Chelsea have been built on for a number of years are going to eventually become his undoing. Yeah, and and you you touched on on Brighton there with uh, Roberto De Zerbi. <laughs> Right, Monday Sportive listeners, on this Halloween special, we've had a very spooky moment. But I was talking, Dan, about Herberto De Zerbi in, in for, for Brighton at the moment. And we were talking about um, Chelsea and appointing Graham Potter. And what, what I was talking about is um, if you've got Herberto 
Derby in there with these new players, this squad he's building at Brighton. You know, Graham Potter would have built up relationships relationships with a lot of those players. And even Brighton seem to have lost their way a little bit, haven't they, since, since this change. And it just shows that sometimes... Managers like Graham Potter, they are better off staying with their club and just, you know, seeing if they can gain success that way. But the lure of Chelsea, obviously there, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think Brighton's biggest problem is they can't score goals. And I feel if Potter stayed, he could easily just argue the toss in in January saying, I need a striker. But as now, you know, he's at Chelsea, he's got all these players on, you know, all these international superstar wages. Um, and how, how do you manage it? How do you keep players out? Like, you know he's he's got um, a Bamiang's come in. Well, is that is that somebody he would want? Is that somebody that you know he's obviously caused problems elsewhere he's been. Yeah, um, he's lo- he's lost Conte. He's probably his best midfield player. Um, I agree with what you're saying. They they should be going and making statements at teams like Brentford, um, local, local derby games like that, where you know you can go and really put it on them. Um, although, just on a side note, Brentford are what a team they look like. Um, yeah. saying how cheap that 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 side's been put together. And, I think they've just given the the manager a new contract, haven't they? As well. Yeah, they have. Frank, um, I can't think of his name. Yeah, I couldn't think of his name either. But I, I, just on a side note, but still, it's Chelsea, isn't it? You know, international player after international player, you should be going and and, and make your statements. And you know, I think they're sad third, aren't they? But um, whether or not that stays, I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, Thomas Frank. Thomas Frank. Thomas Frank, of course it is. Now, quick one, Dan, on that note, with, with Chelsea, if you look at their, their recent uh, results, they have picked up results. They've been winning, apart from that draw against Brentford um, the other night. I watched that game. And the reason why I've brought Chelsea up is I just felt they a little bit one-dimensional. It, they, like I said uh, just before about Potter, yes, he's organised and he's a tactician, but... What one thing that I noticed was when Raheem Sterling came on off the bench, he just played very wide for Chelsea, just out on the left. And I, I always find that, you know, disheartening. You want Sterling in the middle, you know. I, I, I know he's a wide player, but he was out very wide, like a winger almost. And Pep Guardiola took that out of him, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he's not got the pace anymore to do that, is he? He's not he's not that raw seventeen year old that's gonna you know, step over, take the ball out, whip it in. You know, he's, he's he, for me, he's more of a forward anyway. Now he's sort of done, done what a lot of top players doing. He re- reinvents himself. Yeah, and if you look at Pep when he plays that top three, you know, they're not playing as out and out wingers. They're just in that sort of central role, aren't they? With a, you know, and for, for me, that you know, the the tactics of Sterling being out wide is like going back to his Liverpool days. You know, when he was yeah, sort exactly. Of cutting- Right, and it, it, I just felt that they could have penetrated uh, Brent more. Could have, but you know, you've got someone like a Bamiang playing. And for me, you know, if, if you've got a Bamiang, he's you know, the guy's just all about goals, get him on the pitch. But, um, one player that stood out for me, and I'll just make a quick note, was Rozier, um, who was on loan with Southampton last season. I'm telling you now, he is some player, Dan. I'm not sure if you've seen much of him playing, but he, he reminds of a young version of Diego Costa, he's just—is he the uh, the Albanian? Yeah, but yeah. he's he's from London. Well, he's not from London, obviously, but he grew up in London, so he's got a really strong, you know, roadmanny yeah. accent. Yeah, and yes, uh, yeah, yeah. 
front for Chelsea. And I'm telling you now, he is a problem. He's fast, pacey, he's big and bold, and he, he's got a lot of skill on the ball. And he's he's a great player to watch, and um, he's definitely one for the future. But he, yeah, he strikes me as that Diego Costa. He's just a problem all game. But for Chelsea to play him up top, starting against Brentford in a London derby, I just felt the game was crying out for a Bamiang just to smash a couple of goals in there. But yeah. You know, like I said, it's contrasting because I, I'm, I'm, I think it's fantastic that Graham Potter has been given the opportunity, but I just wonder where Chelsea are coming from with that appointment. But it all comes to a head. They're playing Manchester United, uh, I believe it's tomorrow. So this is when the true acid test comes, doesn't that it? Is, that is a huge test for both teams, to be honest. I think that's a great one to see. You know, United fully recovered from the early start to the season they had. Um, and how they're going to cope with no Ronaldo. Um, whereas with Chelsea, it's a great test for Potter, isn't it? Put a statement victory out over, you know, not a contender, but, you know, a top a top team in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. And um, t- touching on, on the Premier League, uh, just very briefly before we move on to the EFL, Dan, it, um, you know, Arsenal still top of the league, Manchester City, Four points behind. We've done a few hot takes around the Gunners this season and Man City. Um, what are we thinking for this uh, title race? Is it two between two teams, or are Liverpool going to sneak back into it, or is your famous Tottenham Hotspur? <laughs> um, I would. I would have actually still backed Spurs if they not lost to United in the week. To be honest, I'd have still gone with that. Um, don't see Liverpool getting anywhere near it personally. Um, just a hunch of. They're just losing too many players now at this point. Um, they, they look okay against City on Sunday. Um, was it Sunday? It was Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I can't really see them doing anything anything special. Um, I can see them going deep into the Champions League, to be honest. Um, and City, I don't see how they don't win it, but it's really nice to see Arsenal click um, and have that, you know, that actual challenger that isn't Liverpool... Versus City for the title. Whether Arsenal or not, stay where they are, I think, depends on how many players come back from the World Cup healthy. Yeah, I um, agree with you on that. because they, They're they going to lose Gabri- Gabriel, G- uh, Martinelli and um, Jesus up front. Two of those come back injured. You're not scoring any goals, I don't think. Yeah, it's, it's a bet for Arteta because um, what I want to ask is, with Arsenal, is it, a rich vein of form or is it the Arteta master plan clicking? And I'm sure we'll have Charles Davey coming on before long when we have our World Cup specials. Uh, just to touch on that, Monday Sporty for listeners, we are going to be doing World Cup specials throughout the World Cup with Dan Lerand and Charles Davey, amongst other guests. But on that note, quickly, Dan, with, with Arsenal, you know, rich vein of form or is this the Arteta master plan we're seeing between it before our eyes I'm going to say it's the Arsenal master plan I, think. Uh, oh, I, well. I really am impressed with, with what they the way they play they look great to watch as well yeah um, it's, it's really nice to see there we go so Charles Davey there we go some soap yeah now Dan we're moving into a fantastic area which we both love which is the English Football League and I have to say being a Queen's Park Rangers supporter I feel you know I'm on top of the world at the moment. We're top of the league. We've got one of the best managers in English football in Oof. Mick Bill. He he got offered the Wolves job. He's literally on the plate. To, and he decided to stay at Queen's Park Rangers. What are we making of that? Um, 
Well, I, I tweeted in the week um, that it's so refreshing. Mm. Well, at the time, he'd not actually committed to it. But it was so refreshing to see somebody considering not just going and jumping ship, you know. In years yes. gone by, we've had Steve McLaren, Derby to Newcastle, all ended in tears. Um, you know, more recently, I know Derby seems to be the brunt of most of these, Lampard's jumped up, gone to Chelsea, ended in tears. Rowett left Derby, went to Stoke, ended in tears. Like, they're all jumps that coaches seem to want to make. Um, and I don't think there's that many that, you know, do work, do where someone does go up and they end up kicking on and doing it again. I know, like you could say with Graham Potter, he left Swansea and went to Brighton and that's worked in his favour, but I think he's, he, you know, he's one of a few. So the fact that he stayed for me shows that he believes in the project at QPR. Um, I mean, you're better off talking about this than me. I mean, they're obviously doing, he's obviously doing something very, very right if they're top of the league, you know, after a quarter of the season gone. Yeah, well, I, I watched um, QPR against Reading, which was, it was a, it was the best advert for champion, champion football. It just had everything game of football. Um, and one player I need I need to just put a shout out for is Sam Field. He used to be on West Brom, West Brom's books. I don't know if you've seen him play, but he's he's simply playing some outstanding football for QPR this season. He's he sort of sits in the hole in midfield, in between um, you know the sort of centre backs, and he's honestly he, he's footwork on the ball, the way he's distribution. He, he's he's having a great great game Samfield one to look out for um but yeah I, I think what we're seeing with with QPR is Mick Bill's plans and tactics coming to fruition and you know we touched on Stephen Gerrard at the beginning of the podcast Dan and Mick Bill's been at his side you know since the Rangers days and uh, you know are we thinking that potentially Gerrard's downfall was that his right hand man has left it's, it's it seems to be the case you know in in a lot of the new age sort of um, coaching eras, I can't try to get out and say, but with, the, with these new coaches that are coming in, you know, they seem to rely on the back, back room staff a lot more. Yeah. Um, and it does seem to be when one does get picked to go and do something elsewhere um, that you do not start to notice that the team's ethos changes. Because I think it was um, Curtis Davis at Derby recently said that Liam Rossini did all of the coaching last season um, and Wayne Rooney was just there to manage. Um, I think that's a, you know that's a sweet science. You know, Fergie had it, didn't he, for years? Yeah. He had McLaren, Carlos Queiros, uh, Mick Thielen, yeah. uh, Rennie Mullerstein. All these coaches worked under Ferguson, but he managed, and I think there's a huge difference between head coach and manager. Um, and he's, you know, some some are lucky enough to be able to do both. Um, and I think I think you know he obviously seems to be the what the missing link as to why it's all gone square at Villa for Gerrard. Yeah, and, and it's funny you say that because, you know, that old cliche, you know, can they manage a team? You know, that might be a good coach. You know, McLaren, we saw him do some great managerial, uh, you know, careers. But um, there's always that question over him, you know, great coach, but can he sort of take the management? When it, it seems to exist, doesn't it? It seems to be a thing. It, it does, yeah. I mean, in, in a previous life, I, I, I did do quite a lot of coaching, uh, coached around the world. You know, the, the actual realism of it is... The, the, the management side of it, you don't really ever think about, you know, it's always something that comes as second nature to you. I think you can either do it or you can't. I think it's the same with coaching. You can either coach and get your message across and and, and teach, but you can't do necessarily always do both. So it's, it's no surprise um, that, that this has happened here. Yeah. And just touching on, on, on the championship again, obviously just to mention in case you wasn't aware, Queens Park Rangers top. Uh, which is fantastic. We've seen a massive um, 
you know, downfall of Sheffield United. Their form has dropped completely. They've lost three in the last five. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what's gone on there because Sheffield United were looking looking pretty good for um, automatic promotion. I know with the championship, it only takes one or two games to propel yourself back into that mix. But it's been a massive fall from Grayson United. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. I think, um, you know, the championship, isn't it? Every team will go on a run. I think QPR and Blackburn at the minute are both, you know, absolutely flying. Um, however, I think Sheffield United will still be, still be a contender. I still think they'll probably go up automatically. Um, this season, I think they've got the caliber of players you need at this level um, for the full season. Yeah. Um, another team to touch on, and I, I said this last week, um, maybe two weeks ago. Um, Mystic, Mystic Dan Ram is at it again with Reddins plummet down the table. They've gone from you know being a contender to slipping, slipping, and slipping, and slipping. They've lost three on the trot. Yeah. Um, I think Paul Ince is, is one of the biggest myths in football that he's a good manager. I think only him and his son believe that anyway. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't think we have any Redding. Redding don't have any fans anyway, do they, to be listening? But... Oh, here we go. <laughs> um, or here. <laughs> but um, I think Redding, Redding uh, rightfully fired in their level um, as they fall down the table. And a big question, Alex, are Huddersfield doomed? Huddersfield Town. Um, let me have a look. Huddersfield Town, well. Rock bottom, <laughs> drift. What we were saying, we, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season was Coventry were looking down and out, but they've they've had a little sort of turning fortunes. Wanna, wanna yeah, I think with them, it's still the games are still going to catch up with them. I think I think it's still three or four behind they are, and obviously there's all the turmoil going off the field with them at the moment, with Wasps going into administration, oh. uh, Mike Ashley trying to buy out the whole of Coventry Town by the sounds of it. Um, I think he wants a bit of everything, so I'm not sure what's going on with Coventry. Odd off the field as such, but on it, I, I still think they're going to struggle. But Huddersfield, rock bottom, and um, from a team that got to the playoffs to a team that are now looking like they're going to going to fall out of the league altogether. The thing is with it, it's just championship football because we, as we all know, and managers say it all the time, you get two wins on the bounce, you know, in in the championship, and suddenly you're looking at the other end of the table. It's or or vice versa, you know, you lose a couple of games, you lose a midweek game, you lose at home on a Saturday, and suddenly you're you're mid table obscurity. You know, it's just the championship, isn't it? But I'm sure Huddersfield relieved their manager of his duties quite early on in the season. I just think, you it's know, Danny you know, Danny Schofield, he's the one who's yeah. credit. Yeah, and he, he he seemed like one of these very progressive coaches who had you know a good game plan and ta- I just think you know when we know the championship every season before Christmas you've had at least ten managers who have been released. It's ridiculous, yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Just you know, it it just shows you that you you need to have longevity clubs. You know, we the championship nurture young players, young talent. And it just doesn't work when you're when you're just chopping and changing managers. And I'm surely, you know, it's 2022. Surely now, you know, people have come to realise that. But you know, it looks like Huddersfield have fallen into that trap again. But... Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to League One, um, it looks like it's Plymouth to lose now. Um, out of all the teams and the huge teams that are sitting in and around the sort of top ten. In League One, uh, Plymouth just seems to be absolutely unstoppable at the moment. Yeah. Um, it was only a few weeks ago. They were 2-0 down away at Derby. Managed to you know win 3-2. They're beating and not losing to the teams around them, which is huge. Um, you know, uh, there's a huge game on tonight, which is Derby versus Derby away at Ipswich. 
two teams that you know that will want to be up there 100 percent by the end of the year um i i don't know how it's going to go so i'm not going to give a prediction on that one but <laughs> ipswich look good as well um after a few years down there seem to have finally you know found their feet in terms of what they're looking to do and get out getting out of the league um and i just want to touch on with league one that there's nine nine points separate fourth bottom to sixth place in the league Wow, that is incredible, and yeah, that is, and it just shows you the competitiveness of that league. And just touching on that again, just for Monday Sportif um, listeners, yes, it is a big game in League One tonight. Um, Ipswich Town versus Derby County, Dan the Rams, Derby County. Uh, I mean, that's surely going to be a mouth-watering game tonight, isn't it? I, yeah, I'm, it's on like, Sky as well. Like I've noticed, Derby been put on Sky quite a lot recently. I guess it's because there's going to be nothing on Sky apart from. Um... I don't know, probably some winter cricket and some golf. So um, <laughs> I think we're, we're a big focus. As I think Sky Sports know that there's a lot of Derby fans that are, are out there. But then you look at the teams that I think that Derby and Ipswich, have, you know, you could easily make an argument for them both being Premier League clubs, couldn't you? So um, the fact that that's a League One game on a Friday night says it all. Um, I think we're looking better under Paul Warren. Um, I went to the Port Vale game, um, first game I managed to get home get home for this season, um, lost 2-1. Um, we were looking really good for 10 minutes and then um, couldn't get a second goal and then let Port Vale back into it. We conceded four penalties in the last two games. Wow. Um, and only conceded one of those. Only one of those has gone in as well. So, bit of luck, a bit of luck on there. But great, great away win last weekend at Accrington, um, 3-0. Um, there were some salty tears from the Accrington manager after um, saying that... Derby, that wasn't a 3-0 performance, but I don't know how you can lose 3-0 and it'll be a 3-0 performance. Um, so tonight, I, I think anything, just don't lose. Um, keep within touching distance. Win your home games, don't lose your way, and we'll, we'll be up there by the end of the season. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's a mouth-watering game tonight. Uh, Portman Road, under the lights, League One. Oh, just are you, For me, th- these are the games you just can't be. I'll be watching it, that is for sure. Um, and, you know, could Derby nick a, a, an away win at Ipswich? It, it, it's what they need to start. I would, I'd would, i say yes. Um, however, James Collins being out for two more games on suspension, um, I'm not sure. Although, William Asula, who's on known for Sheffield United, had an absolutely phenomenal performance last weekend, scored two goals. Um, he's a big six foot four Norwegian striker. Um, think of a slimmer version of Jean Carew, um, and you've got him nailed on. But he looks an absolute player too. Who knows? Um, he's young. He's raw. A little bit of the Paolo one shots about him. Um, so it's, it's going to be a great one tonight to watch. And um, hopefully we'll be coming on next week. Be gloating that we've beaten a contender and we're we're back into the top six. Fantastic. And Monday Sporting listeners, we are going to be doing a lot more spaces. Uh, with it's only EFL, but I like it. We had uh, Gab come on that, who's uh, is the person to go to for EFL talking. It was fantastic chat, uh, wasn't it, Danny? It was great to come on. So we're looking to do more of those throughout the season. Uh, now, looking at League Two, shock horror on this Halloween special. Leighton Orient are off the top. Uh, I, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give uh, the father-in-law a shout-out on that one um, on the basis that he said they've got a game in hand. So I, I did look, and it is true. Um, he normally sends me a video on a Saturday night where they've won of um, hot chocolate, so you win again. Um, <laughs> but I've been taking taking the MI Mickey out of him. Um, just the last few weeks, he's not been able to send it to me, but yeah, they're still up there. Stevenage have pulled away, but I think Orient are only four points behind with the game in hand. So 
potentially could only be one point. Um, it, it's looking good that you know, League Two looks a great division this year. One, one thing I would say um, at the bottom end of the league is that there's three teams at this stage of the season on nine points, um, which is just shocking, isn't it? Like there's this you know, 13, 14, 15 games played for some teams. And you've only managed to get nine points out of those games. Um, it's it's between Hartlepool, Crawley, and Colchester. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be an interesting one, you know, to keep keep a bit of an eye on. Um, I can't imagine those games of football that they're playing are particularly entertaining, um, just on the basis of that. And just touching on the EFL as a whole, um, Alex, just before we move move on and wrap up, yeah. um, I had a look just just across the board at goal scored and top goal scorers. Um, now, that, that nobody in the top in the football league has scored more than eleven goals this season so far individually. So I think the top goal scorer in, in all leagues is Jake Salt Carter. That's right, I said that completely wrong. Um, the striker at Peterborough. I think he's on eleven. Yeah. Um, and I think only one team in the whole of the, the EFL have scored twenty five goals at this point. So for me, it seems to be a, either defensively a lot of teams have stepped up this year. Or we are missing some really good attacking play- teams that want to go for it. Yeah, it's a funny one. You should you, you should bring that up. I mean, usually with the EFL, it's usually free free scoring, isn't it? We see a lot of players um, sort of hitting those top scoring charts and getting big moves to mm. the championship, um, sort of towards uh, January, don't we? We see. A lot yeah, of- and that, that's exactly it. I was sort of looking to see is anyone pulled away and he's looking on fire, but there isn't anyone. Um, I think. At- Ivan Tony being one of the key ones there for Brentford when he moved. It was a £10 million move from Peterborough, which was almost unheard of for that sort of price of money, you know. But it just shows you what, what can happen. Because with Ivan Tony, we've seen him go on, almost pull on the England shirt last uh, in the last couple of months. So. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, but I think, I think when you look at teams like Preston, I think Preston have kept eight clean sheets out of 14. So... I think teams are maybe looking at a different way of getting out of the getting out of the football league is to not concede any, you know, go nicking those one 0 wins and yeah, very negative football. So that that wraps up our EFL chat for this week. Indeed, it does. It was fantastic. Now, now we're going to just touch on our hot takes here. I think I've exhausted my hot take already, which was Graham Graham Potter, and I think I um, mentioned a lot of that during our our. Ch- chat about their recent games but um yeah just to touch on it very briefly before we go i find that graham potter potentially is a little bit out of his depth that is my hot take is graham potter out of his depth with chelsea it's all to be seen i think yes i think he's out of his depth i think he might be relieved of his duties before the end of the season there we go i've said it dan i think in a in a monday sporty first we have an agreement on a hot take um, that I also believe that his days are numbered, and I don't think he is going to be the manager for the start of next season. There we go. You heard it first, Monday Sportive listeners from and the Ram. Uh, and uh, I don't know what Jordan will think of. We'll get his. Uh, we'll get some of his opinions from Monaco. We we'll have to call in and internationally to see what he thinks. Yeah, we'll get his. Uh, uh, but yeah, I've, I've touched on Graham Potter earlier on in the episode. But I, I just believe my hot take is that he will be relieved of his duties from Chelsea. Maybe with Pochettino put in place. Who knows? But Sam, what's your hot take? Uh, mine. So mine is, is based upon the form of this team. Um, I 
think that they are looking like the the hottest team in the Premier League at the moment, and that is Newcastle United. And it's going to be Newcastle to make Europe this year, to hit wow. one of those European spots. I'm not necessarily saying Champions League. I think it might be a step too far, but I can certainly see them taking taking fifth and going into the Europa League going into next season. Um, they look excellent. Um, I I think Eddie Howe is is absolutely turned around what was probably a right club under you know previous management um, and ownership. And I think he surpassed what even most most of us thought he would do at this stage. Um, saying this takeover only happened, you know, roughly around a year ago, wasn't it? Going into January, um, and he signed. They got the new. They got rid of Bruce. They signed a few, you know, a few players. Um, you know, Dan Burn, Bruno in midfield, and and then in the summer, you know, signing players like Alexander Isaac and, and such that they just look great. I know Isaac's out. I think he's got a long term injury now, hasn't he? I think he's out for three months. Um, yeah. but. I think they, they because their pockets are so deep, you know, he can then go to the go to the owners in January and you know sign that that hot striker if need be, you know, if they need a centre half, etc. Um, I think they've they've got the money to do so now, and I think each each window they will sign two or three top players to come in. Yeah, um, Kieran Trippier for me probably has to start at the World Cup for England now um, with the injuries we've already spoken about. You know, I think Dan Byrne could even look at getting himself into that squad of 50, the way that, that he's been playing for Newcastle. Um, yeah. Callum Wilson may go in as that extra striker as well um, into the World Cup if, he, if he's fit. I'm not actually sure if he's fit at the moment. Um, and Miguel, Miguel Almiron looks like the player that everyone probably thought he would be when he signed all those years ago for the MLS. Yeah, um, he, I don't, don't know if he scored, saw the goal he scored at Fulham. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's really hit um, a sort of level of form, Almiron. And, and like you said, um, Dan, he's he's becoming that player we all sort of knew he was, really. And it's, it's, um, it's he's real life Santiago Munez, isn't he? At the goal yeah. Now, just what on here, Dan, and quote me if I'm wrong, but do you remember back in the day when Manchester City came into that money and they started buying players like Robinho and um, sort of other? sort of very expensive players and you started seeing this slow transition from a club that was you know teetering around Europe to sort of challenging for the league do you remember that sort of there's that twist in form when you suddenly start seeing them dominating games picking up yeah I think but for me it's sort of we're starting to see that turn in Newcastle now manager they're starting to buy these these players that manage games and you know are elite football players and for me we're starting to slowly see that screw turn and Newcastle like you say I I agree with you I think they're going to get European football Uh, there we go we've agreed on another hot take but you know you've got players like um, I'm going to pronounce his name completely wrong but Bruno Gumierrez yeah that's why I just went with Bruno I didn't want to attempt this certain (laughs) thing no but Bruno Gumierrez I, I spoke to someone who watched him play live the other day and they just said He's sensational. Yeah, you know, he just controls the game, doesn't he? Controls the game. He just picks the ball up in the middle and he just sprays it around. And I, I think Monday Sportive listeners, if you just have a little watch of him and, that, and what he does, he's he really is a top class player. And we're seeing that slow turn in Newcastle, aren't we? Yeah, and like the reference to City, um, I think you can you can see that City tried to do it probably too quick. Like Newcastle are just going window by window. Instead of seeing where they are before, seeing where they are after, and going from there. Yeah. Um, a little twisted in this, 
And I think their biggest problem recruiting now is going to be where Newcastle is in the country. I think it's a hard sell to get some players to want to relocate to the north of England, you know, at any time, let alone going into January when it's going to be freezing. Well, you say it's supposed to be a great night out. You've got, you know, to... Yeah, but I, I think you know a lot of players want Manchester or um, or London, don't they? I think that is always going to be an issue, um, and it's not commutable from anywhere else, is it? So I think that is the only thing that's actually ever going to hold Newcastle back is where it's located. Well, in, an interesting take. I mean, I, possibly I don't know. Um, is is the lure of uh, somewhere like Shepherd's Bush too much to uh, turn down for some players? <laughs> <laughs> And just before we, we close out the podcast, I always remember when QPR was signing um, everyone when we yeah. met at 2012. And it always used to make me laugh because they thought they were signing for this West London football club, you know, in the glitz and glamour of Kensington. <laughs> they turned up to Shepherd's Bush. And I well, loved... it's supposed it's like Brentford players coming home and realising they've got to live in Hounslow. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, and I love Shepherd's Bush. It's home for me. It's where I grew up when I was a kid. And it's just... You know, but for some players coming off the plane from Madrid, you know, yeah, absolutely, it's a bit of a shock to the system. But I don't know whether Newcastle uh, has that issue or not. But it's uh, it's certainly um, a point to make. But listen, Dan, is there anything else we need to talk about before closing off the podcast? I think we've covered everything today, Alex. It's great, great podcast. Excellent. Monday Sportif listeners, thanks for joining us on this Halloween special. We even had a little bit of a Halloween moment in between the podcast where it cut out, but. yeah, I hope it wasn't too scary for you, but check out some of those tweets we put out with some of those suggestions for Halloween um, sportsmen and women. They are quite good and there's been some great suggestions. But if you can follow the podcast on Twitter and also subscribe to the podcast, it does help us out. And add a little comment to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It always helps the podcast out. So. I've been Alex Box and Dan the Ram. We should have Jordan back in next week. We keep saying that, but um, you know, <laughs> he might be in Vegas next week. Don't probably, know. probably. I think he might win the lottery and not told us. Yeah, maybe. Listen, we'll catch you soon. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. One.